Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming to church today. Are you happy this morning? Awesome. Like four of you? That's good. I'll hang out with you. And uh, thanks for coming to church today. Today we include this, we conclude this incredible series that we've been talking about, dreamers. And uh, do you remember any of your dreams when you were young, uh, when you were a kid? Do you remember any of those dreams, how maybe wild or, I mean, they were, I, I remember some of them for me. I remember as a young child, I always, I thought, man, when I grow up, man, I'm going to believe, I'm just going to be a fire truck. That's what I want to be. And I was like, oh, okay, that's crazy. No, I think I want to be a police car when I, when I grow up. No, you know, the truth is, is that I had a lot of dreams. There was times I thought I was going to be Batman and we grew up poor. So we had to use our imagination. We couldn't go down to party city because party city didn't exist at that time, but we didn't have money for, for costumes. And so we'd have to get towels. And what we would have to do is we'd cut out two holes in a black shirt and put it over our head. And I was Batman with a shirt and a towel. Come on, somebody running around our house. And then as I grew up and, you know, I think as a teenager, I had dreams of marrying Farrah Fawcett from Charlie's Angels. And you don't know no Farrah Fawcett, do you? And man, you know, that's as far as my imagination could go. But then God brought me Valerie Valdez and who he did more than I could even imagine or think because now she ain't no Charlie's Angels. She's my angel. Come on, somebody. You like that, huh? That's pretty smooth. And as we grow up, you know, I think we are growing up and life has twists and turns and life gets messy. Anybody get your life gets messy at times. And, and as, as we do, you know, I think we can stop dreaming. And what happens is we abandon our, our dreams. And, you know, I believe that this is not just a series that we've been talking about, but God wants you to dream. God wants us to dream again. He wants our church to dream again. Can I hear a good amen? It's time to dream in your life, no matter what has been thrown your way. And you know, why are dreams important? Well, dreams are important because all of us have a destiny. And so what God does is God gives you a preview of that destiny through a dream. And today we're going to uh, just really value the fact that there are going to be people that are dependent on the impact of your dreams. You know, Passion Life Church, I want to tell you, there's going to be people in our community all throughout the Inland Empire that are going to be impacted by the dream that God has placed in the heart of our church. Can I hear a good amen today? And so God has a dream for you. I think the best thing that you could ever say is I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. And here's the amazing thing about God's dreams for you is they're always bigger than your dreams for you. The plan that he has for you is always bigger than the plan that you have for you. And so many people, I, I talk to so many people are frustrated with their lives, frustrated at work. And can I, can, can I just tell you this morning, that a lot of times that frustration comes because we're not living the dream that God has called us to do. So it's time to dream again. You know, our theme scripture has been Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. And it says this, look what God can do. He says, God can do anything. How many of you believe that this morning that God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest, what? Dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently. 
You know, I've entitled today, if you're taking notes, I've entitled today, How to Turn Your Dreams into Reality. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 41. We're going to begin reading in verse 14, and we've been looking at the life of Joseph. And I really believe that God has asked us to look at his life because his life was crazy. I mean, he comes from a dysfunctional family where his father loves him more, his brothers hate him and yet in the middle of this dysfunction, God gives him a dream of the future. You know, so many times we can be stuck in our present and we're not looking forward. You cannot live in the past. The rest of the time that you have is forward. Time is ticking. And right in the middle of all that's going on in his family, God gives him a dream. And we talked about why dreams matter. We talked about what a dream will do. And, you know, his brothers hate him so much. They were drinking the haterade and they wanted to kill him. But they thought, you know what, let's throw him in a pit. And they throw him in a pit. And they said, you know what, why, why kill him when we can make some money off him? And so they put him on Craigslist and they sell him, come on, and they sell him to some Ishmaelites. And this guy named Potiphar buys him. And the Bible says that, you know, the favor of the Lord and God's presence is on Joseph. And he's in Potiphar's house. He starts, the favor just starts working in his life. And Potiphar exalts him to over all of his house. And then Mrs. Potiphar notices him, right? And we have Joseph is about to experience the real housewives of Egypt, right? Desperate housewives. Come on. She wants some 50 shades of Egypt with Joseph. And he's like, no. And he runs away, accuses him of rape. And you know what? I really believe that Potiphar didn't believe his wife. How do I know that? Because the penalty of rape in Egypt was death. And so he didn't put her, he didn't put Joseph to death. He put him in prison. And so he's in prison. And last week we talked about unlocking some prison doors. Joseph begins to serve other people. We said it's so important that we serve in every season of our lives, especially in the prison season. You know, the prison season mentality. They've done studies and they've talked about when people go to prison, they automatically get into a survival mindset. But Joseph breaks through that and starts serving the butler and the baker. Remember last week we gave the baker a name. His name was Bobby Flay. And then the butler was Alfred. And he tells them the dreams that the butler would be restored to Pharaoh's uh, uh, court, but the baker, Bobby Flay would be chopped. Come on somebody. And, and so he's man, he's in charge of the prison now. And something begins to shift in his life because Pharaoh has some dreams. Pharaoh is actually having nightmares. And how many of you know, when you're having nightmares, sometimes the Tylenol PM will not do it. And so Pharaoh can't sleep. And it was two years that the butler had forgotten about Joseph. Because remember, Joseph said, when you get out of here, please remember me. How many of you know that people can forget, but God doesn't forget? God knows exactly where you are. And now Pharaoh is troubled. My church family, I just, again, want to emphasize to you, Joseph is going to serve another man's dream. Do you know that Joseph, before his dream comes true, serves four people and four people's dreams before his own dream comes to pass? 
See, people are like, I'm about my dream. I'm about my dream. Listen, if you don't serve somebody else's dream first, God won't give you your dream. And Joseph is serving four dreams, three other people. Everybody look at me this morning. And they're not born again people. They're ungodly people. The butler was ungodly. The baker was ungodly. Potiphar was ungodly. And now he's going to serve Pharaoh and Pharaoh is ungodly. Pastor Phil, why do you say that? Because I think sometimes as Christians, we live in this bubble where we think, well, it's just because my boss is not saved. You know, I don't have to work. I don't have to, you know, you should work even harder and go the second mile because they're not saved because it's an opportunity for God to be glorified. Have you found Genesis chapter 41, verse 14? And we pick up the story. They go and they get Joseph out of prison because the butler remembers. And watch this in verse 14. It says, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly. Everybody said quickly. They brought him quickly out of the dungeon and he shaved and changed his clothes and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. And I want you to get this picture. Joseph is standing in front of Pharaoh and he says, I can't find anyone to interpret my dreams. (laughs) But they said you could. Can you imagine the pressure? I've had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream and to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying this, it's not in me, God will give you the dream. Come on, tell somebody next to you, say, it's not me, it's God. It's not me, it's not in me, but God will give Pharaoh the answer to his dream. Can you bow your heads for a moment and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time together. Speak through us, speak to us through your word, but not just through your word, but by your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, let's try it again. And everybody said, when you have a dream, there's a gap between the dream and the dream come true. There's a gap between the dream and the reality of the dream. And how you respond in the gap can determine whether you see the reality of that dream or not. And Joseph's dream would actually take 22 years before he would see the reality of the dream. 22 years, Pastor? 22 years. I can't wait 22 seconds for the microwave. But what you need to know is that we don't have a microwave God. We have a crockpot God. He's never early and he's never late. He's always right on time. Amen. We have seven people that own a crock pot. Come on, somebody. They were clapping. You know, they were clapping. But I want you to understand something that the difference between the dream and the dream coming true is what you do in the gap. And everything in Joseph's life that could have went wrong 
went wrong. And today I want to talk to you about not only having a dream, but listen, having a plan to put into action for the dream. There comes a day, my church family, where we have to wake up and start taking action steps toward the dream that God has for us. Now, Joseph, nothing went planned like he thought would get. As a matter of fact, if you talk to Joseph about his five-year plan, that's going to come out later in today's message. But I'll tell you, what nothing went, he could have not planned he didn't plan the pit right he didn't plan Potiphar's house he didn't plan the prison but he ended up there and I want to encourage you today because when you and life doesn't go as planned I want you to know something God still has a plan even though things are haywire but Joseph was always dependent on God Some of us need to up our trust a little bit more. Just because things aren't going as planned doesn't mean that God can't intervene and turn things around in a moment. In a moment, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to go from the prison to the palace. And we not only need to have a dream, we need to have a plan. And when things don't go the way we plan, I'm going to tell you something. God still has a plan, so let's trust him. But as I look at Joseph's story, there are some definite decisions that I believe can be made that you can plan on making if you want to have your dream come true. Although Joseph's life was very, very much here and there and up and down, there are four things that I want to outline today that I see in Joseph's life that I believe if you'll do these four things, you can see the dream come to reality in your life. And here's the first decision that we can make if we're gonna see the dream come true. Number one, we have to plan on changing. We have to plan on changing. See, this is part of the plan. In order for Joseph to go from the prison to the palace, they had to shave him. He needed to change his clothes. They needed to give him a bath. Why? Because you can't step into your destiny looking like your history. Come on, somebody. It's time to take off the prison clothes. Do you know that in Egypt, if you had a beard, it actually meant that you were in mourning. It actually meant that you were in mourning. And, you know, there is a time to mourn. Let's not get that, you know, let's not just go over that point. There is a time to mourn. But there also is a time to stop mourning and step into your destiny. Stop mourning and start moving. Right. And so they had to shave his beard. You know, in Egypt, the men were clean shaven and uh, most of them did not have hair as well. They they shaved uh, the hair, the head as well. They looked very, very clean. And and so they also had to change his clothes. And you know what? I just really believe that God wants us to step out of the prison clothes and take on a new robe, a royal robe. But, you know, some people. They don't want to come out of prison. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? Yeah, I talk to many people. You know that unforgiveness can be a prison? Do you know that regret can be a prison? I know some people, after service, after service, after counseling, they still don't want to forgive. They don't want to change their clothes from the prison clothes to take on the new royal robe that God has for them. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? If there's anyone, anyone that could have said, 
I'm not taking off my prison clothes. I'm in mourning. If there's anyone who could have went off, it would have been Joseph. But we need to plan on changing. See, God wants to develop your character to the degree of the dream. He wants to make your integrity and grow your integrity and grow you to be able to take on the dream. Can you imagine if Joseph said, I'm not changing. I'm going to walk in there. Watch this. I'm going to walk in there just like I am. And he walks in there and he looks around and he sees the butler. Can you imagine if Joseph would have went off on the butler and said, hey, you remember me? It's been two freaking years, man. What's wrong with you? I could have got out two years ago. Man, what's wrong with your memory? What's wrong? Oh, and guess who else was standing there? Potiphar. Could you imagine if he went off on Potiphar? Because Potiphar was in charge, right, of the, of, the, of the royal guard. Could you imagine if he looked at Potiphar and said, oh, there you are. Why don't you tell your wife, who is a witch, the wicked, wicked witch of the West, that that cell should be hers because she lied on me. See, you can't walk into the palace like that. That's what ordinary people would have done. But you know what I love about Joseph? He didn't do that. Instead of choosing revenge, he chose to be royal. He chose to walk in. He chose to change his clothes. He chose to shave his beard because he wants to go where God has him because the prison is not your destiny. The palace is your destiny. But to get to the, from the prison to the palace, you're going to have to change. Everybody say change. Are you willing to take off the clothes of the past? Are you willing to change? You know, the Bible says that it's God's, it's God's plan for us to go from strength to strength and glory to glory. Every day, every week, we should be growing. Why? Because we have a big dream that God has for us. Joseph wasn't the same guy he was when he stepped into the palace. He wasn't that 17-year-old guy who didn't have good interpersonal skills with people. He grew, and God grew him so he could step into the dream. But if you're going to have a dream, you're going to have to have a plan. And can I tell you this? One thing I know about the dream turning into reality is you're going to have to plan to change. Change. Listen, change. You can't walk into the palace and look the same. Listen, you can't walk into the palace and speak the same to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is, listen, Pharaoh is sitting on a golden throne with a golden crown with gold all on his arms, golden flip-flops, right? Not flip-flops, sandals, I always think. Right. And so he wasn't from California. And so the finest linens that he's sitting there with. And you know what? He's going to speak to Joseph about all of this stuff and these dreams. Listen, we've got to change not only our character, we've got to change the way we talk, right? You can't walk in to Pharaoh's palace and say, hey, man, what's up, dude? You can't walk into Pharaoh's palace and say, hey, man, what's going down, Charlie Brown? You can't do that. 
And you know, sometimes the very thing that God is calling us to change, we refuse. But see, God is trying to change you so you can walk into the palace and speak the language that needs to be spoken because Joseph doesn't know this, my church family. We get to look at the Bible. We get to see what is gonna happen. This is probably the biggest moment of his life. And I'll tell you why. Because if he makes a mistake, Pharaoh could chop off his head. If he doesn't get this right, but if he gets it right, and we know that he gets it right, but Joseph doesn't know, all as he has is faith and trust in God. Can I hear a good amen? But you've got a plan to change. You've got a plan to change. And I want to change every day. I want to be more like Jesus every day. Here's another part of the plan that is a decision that we can make. Number two, we need to plan on risking it. You know, dreamers are people who take risks, right? And I think that a lot of times we, especially when we're young, maybe because we don't know better, we're willing to take risks. But as we get older and, you know, certain circumstances come into our lives, we're not a risk taker anymore. We've just settled for being more realistic. And you know what I found about every dreamer? Dreamers are risk takers, Joseph is standing in front of the most powerful man in the world at that point. It was Pharaoh. And you know what? What he's about to say, he's going to take a risk. Let's pick it up in verse 15, Genesis 41, verse 15. Are you glad you came to church today? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. That's a lot of pressure, right? And, but he says, I have heard that you said that you can do it. Watch it. And so Joseph answers saying, it's not me, right? It's not me that will give the interpret. It is God. What is he saying? He, now watch. Watch this. He's in front of Pharaoh, who Pharaoh himself believes he's a god. There are people around Pharaoh that believe Pharaoh is a God. And Joseph stands there and he says, I'm not going to do this. It's going to be God. Now watch this. That in the Hebrew is Elohim. It means this, the one true God. He's standing in front of Pharaoh who believes he's a God, who doesn't believe in the one true God. And Joseph is about to take a risk and say, I'm not going to do this, but it is going to be a God that you don't believe in. Do you know Pharaoh could have said, off with his head. But see, dreamers are risk takers. He doesn't even believe in the same God. He believes he's a God. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time that you took a risk that you knew if it didn't happen, it had to be God? It had to be God or it's not going to happen. When was the last time you did something so awkward because it was risky? You know, and I believe that's why so many Christians are bored with their faith. You know why? Because they're not taking any risks anymore. Listen, let's just be honest. Most people aren't even living by faith. They're just living their life and doing what they can do in the natural. And when you are not living by faith, God is not moving in your life. And so this is why we have a bunch of bored Christians. They don't know anything about the adventure anymore, right? They don't know what it's like to be dependent on God. God financially. They don't tithe. They tip, right? Like, hey, God, thanks for the sun came up today. Thanks for my beautiful home. Thank you that I have a job. Here's my two bucks. Of course you'd be bored. There's nothing in that that's costing you. 
There's nothing in there that's risk. I remember uh, this last week, I was talking to you about a guy named, uh, I didn't know his name at that point, but a guy I met in the gym who was overcoming his limitations. He walked in with a broken leg and he was working out. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> I went into the gym this week and I saw him there. And I just walked up to him and I said, hey man, you know, I just want you to know I used you in my sermon this last week. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, and we started talking, and I said, I was talking about our congregation, about overcoming limits, and I'm working out, and I was telling the story, and then you walked in with a broken leg, and you're working out better than I'm working out. I'm like, man, I gotta up my game over here, right? And, and I was just talking to him, and we were talking, and I just stopped, and I said, man, can I just pray for your leg right now, right here in the gym? He's like, yeah, man, do you know how awkward it was? Do you know how weird it was? But do you know how great it felt? And he got down and it turns out he's working out because he wants to be in the NFL and he's doing all of these things. And I invited him to church. You know how awkward and weird it is? Oh, but it's great. But some of you haven't got outside of yourself. Some of you haven't done something that takes some risk. When was the last time you put your reputation on the line and invited people to church, told people about God, prayed for your food in front of everybody at work? Come on, take some risks. And then we wonder why, well, this God isn't moving in my life. No, you're not moving. You got to move. Come on, you got to do something. Let's take a risk. Let's take a risk. And you know what I love? That Pharaoh's about to see the power of Elohim in his life because Joseph is going to take a risk. Since this is the last message in this series, I think I, I've, I'm going to tell it like it is. Is that okay with you? Yes. Good, because I'm going to do it anyway, because I have the microphone. <laughs> Pharaoh is looking at Joseph, and Joseph could have talked about his past. Joseph could have said, oh, Pharaoh, you don't understand. I was in a pit. Oh, I was in prison. And he could have walked in as the victim. Can I just encourage you? There are people that come into your life that are not there for you to tell them your problems. There are people in your life that come into your life for you to minister to them. And he stands in front of Pharaoh and he never once mentions that he was a victim, that he was abused. He stands there in the presence of God Elohim and Pharaoh's life is totally going to be changed because Joseph is going to make a decision to walk in faith and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Watch this because Joseph took a risk. All of Egypt is going to be saved because Joseph took a risk, right? A nation is going to be saved because Joseph took a risk. Joseph's family is going to be saved because Joseph took a risk. It's going to elevate him and promote him into power all because he took a risk. And I'm going to tell you, you're a part of a church that takes risks because that's how we spell faith around here. R I S K. You look at the disciples, Peter walking on water risk. You look at Peter and John walking to the gate beautiful and a guy that can't walk. And he says, look, 
I don't, I don't have any money, silver and gold. I don't have any, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk risk. Risk. When was the last time you took a risk and let God be God in your life? And Joseph stands before Pharaoh and he basically says this because Pharaoh has two dreams. He says there's going to be seven years of plenty and there's going to be seven years of lack. So if we're going to see our dreams turn to reality, let me just tell you, my church family, we got a plan to change. You got a plan to risk. And here's number three. You got a plan on structuring for the dream. Listen, Genesis 41, verse 33, jump down. It talks about what Joseph's about to do. Here comes his admin skills. Here here comes his gifts of organization. They're all going to go into operation. And look what he tells uh, Pharaoh. He says, now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning wise man. This is so genius and so brilliant of Joseph. Right now he is speaking to Pharaoh, giving Pharaoh advice. He says, let Pharaoh select a discerning wise man like me and set him over the land like me. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers like me over the end to Connect one fifth of the produce of the land, Egypt, in seven plentiful years. Verse 35. And let them gather all the food of those good years. Everybody say that's a plan. And all the good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then. That food will be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. You know what's amazing, my church family, is that Joseph's gift, the Bible says his gift, your gift that God gives you will bring you before great men. Joseph's gift brought him before Pharaoh, but Joseph's plan got him a job. Joseph's plan to Pharaoh said, this is what should be done. Got him and solidified his promotion. Your dream will not come true if you don't have a plan. Can I hear a good amen? Joseph starts to structure his, this whole system. He starts to set up a system, right? And he sets up this system. He has a plan. Can I tell you to structure for something that you haven't seen takes faith? He struck, he, he, all they have is a dream. They haven't really seen anything. He starts to structure all of these things because of something that the dream was supposed to be about. And can I just tell you, if your dream doesn't get you up to start to plan, if your dream doesn't get you up to start structuring, you need to get another dream. You need to get, and then I hear people say, well, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen No, he gave you the brains to plan. He gave you the brains to get up and use wisdom and say, look, I need to start structuring. Do you know we needed $30,000 to start the church with our organization? My pastor gave us $15,000, but here's what I knew. I needed to come up with a business plan if I'm going to talk to business people because business people and investors want to know what is the plan. Well, the plan is just to be led by the Lord, brother. I'm just going to be led. Okay, so where are you going? I don't know. We're just going to be led by the Lord. We knew exactly where we were going. You know, God can show you in advance. 
God can give you the plan. We knew that we were coming down to the Temecula and Marietta area. We had a plan. Well, what's the plan? How are you going to run the church? Well, this is the structure of the church. This is the demographics of what's happening in Riverside, of how many people are saved, how many people need Jesus. This is the demographics of how many churches there are. This is the demographics of how many churches there are and actually people who attend church. This is all that. Why does Riverside County, why does Marietta need another church? Here's the plan. It wasn't just God told me, this is what we are going to do. And this is the structure of the church. We're going to have a Sunday morning. And you know what we're going to do is we're going to raise up leaders and we're going to raise up life group leaders. We're going to have life groups to be able to disciple people. And we want people to know God. We want people to grow in their faith. We want people to discover their purpose so they can go make a difference. How's that going to happen? Through growth track, through igniting people through the dream team. It was all on graphs and paper and we gave it to different for businessmen. And guess what? Because we had a plan, they donated money. One person gave us $15,000. I'm like, wow, we had a pretty good plan. And I want to ask you today, my church family, what's your plan? I just want to have a great family. What's the plan? What's the structure? Can I just give you a side note? Do you know that with our kids, our kids thrive when there's structure? Do you know our kids thrive when there's a plan? Sometimes I'm talking to parents and, and they're like, yeah, my kid, he's just sick and, and uh, he, doesn't, he never goes to sleep. And I'm like, who's the leader in this family? Maybe your kid is sick because he doesn't have a bedtime. I mean, I'll talk to the screen here real quick so nobody gets offended at me. Maybe your kid's so tired because he never sleeps. He got to bed late every night. Well, why don't you put him to bed? Why don't you have a time that says, hey, this is the structure of our home. You know, sometimes my son would be up and I'd say, hey, listen, I, I'd trick him. I'd say, look, he's like, dad, I don't want to go to bed. Okay, we're not going to bed, but we are going to go lay down. You don't have to sleep, but we are going to lay down. Five minutes, he's like, okay. I said, we can lay there. You can look at the stars. You can hum. You can do whatever you want. But listen, we are going to lay down. You don't have to sleep, but we are going to lay down. Five minutes, 10 minutes sometime, he's out. But you know what? Kids thrive in structure. Kids thrive when there's a plan. And us as the leaders, listen, you can't just have this dream of having a great family. You have to have a plan. Well, one day I'm going to get out of financial debt. Okay, what's the plan? Because you can't keep using your credit cards and think about getting out of financial plan. Pastor Phil, are you against credit cards? No, I use them for the points. I tithe on my credit card. Why? So I get points. I can't believe you do that. Why? If they're going to give me points, I'm going to use it anyway and pay it off at the end of the month. Come on, somebody. Let's use some wisdom. Let's use some wisdom. I'm paying bills on a credit card that is going to give me points, and then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay off the credit card at the end of the month so I don't get the interest. That sounds like a plan. And you know what? I may even take a vacation on the points that I got from paying my bills on the credit card and paying it off at the end of the month. Why did you afford that incredible vacation? I saw you on Instagram. Because I had a plan. Is this too real this morning? Come on, somebody. Right? Because he had a plan. And you know what? Bad decisions are usually the result of poor planning. Nobody plans to mess up their life. But the problem is, is very few plan not to. Nobody plans to destroy their marriage. But few take precautions about it. Nobody plans to, you know, raise irresponsible, codependent, dysfunctional children. A bunch of parents don't plan not to plan. Failure to plan 
What's the, what is the, um, what is the quote? I didn't plan it in my notes. Could you say that? If you don't plan, you plan to fail. That's genius, right? Can I ask you just a real quick question? How many of you this morning, you woke up and you're like, how did I get in this room? (laughs) Honey, how did I, I know you've been praying, but how did I get to church this morning? Did anybody wake up and accidentally come to church? Anybody? No, you're here because you planned. And I hear people all the time, oh, I want to get closer to God. You know, well, how, how long you haven't been to church? I, I talk to people like, you know what? I, th- this one always gets me. And sometimes I have to hold my Bible real tight because I want to hit him on the head with it. I just kind of, if you're talking to me, you ever see me go like this? It's because I'm about to whack you with my Bible. I am a Bible thumper. I'm going to be honest with you. When I talk to people, say, hey, I haven't seen you at church. And they're like, yeah, I, yeah. Like, and I'll say, is everything okay? And this one always gets me. This is where I have to hold my Bible. Like, so, so is everything okay? Yeah, man, you know, it's been like, like six weeks. I haven't seen you at church. And I'll say, I'll say, is everything all right? Like, where have you been? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> and you're going to get closer to God? Oh, Pastor Phil, it's all right. I'll make it to heaven. Yeah, you will. But you may live in hell on earth because when circumstances and things come to you, you don't know how to access God. You don't know how to live by faith because the last six weeks you've had no plan on getting closer to God. You don't know how to hear his voice, right? You're not a part of a life group. My church family, I'm a charismatic. I speak in tongues. I'm telling you, hola, como estas? Bueno, bueno. Santo eres, Señor. I speak in, in other languages. I'm charismatic, Right? But can I just tell you this? I think sometimes for us who are very spirit led and love all that, we forget that God is structured, Amen. that God has a plan. Come on, somebody. He created something called the solar system, right? That every morning the Bible tells us that our whole universe is hanging on his word that there is a structure and a plan to life. And I just want to encourage you. I know I'm, I'm cracking some jokes and be fun, but I'm telling you what, when you get to the end of your life, you're going to probably get what you planned. What are you planning? And I didn't, <laughs> this is funny because I didn't plan this. I honestly didn't. But you know, today Candace is here from Thrivent. And I talk to so many people who are not doing well financially. They want a prayer like this, but they don't want to sit through a budgeting class where there's going to be a plan. Right? We want the quick fix. And I'm one Saturday, nine to one, you get free lunch, you get a free breakfast, and you may even win an iPad. Sit through a couple sessions to develop a plan for your family. And we're providing it for free as an outreach. You know, God is so structured. Psalms 139, verse 16. Is this good this morning? Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. God didn't put you on this earth and then tried to figure out a plan. He had a purpose for your life and a plan. Then he put you on the earth. What is your plan? Right? As you're eating a donut. Oh, I got to get healthy this year. 
Do you know in our house, we, there's certain things that we cannot buy. We just plan. If we buy Oreos, they will be gone in like three days. So we plan not to buy certain things because we know if it gets to the cabinet, it's getting in our stomach. Come on, somebody. So we just plan. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause for Oreos. There are certain things that we just, we just, we plan that because we know it's not good for us and your health, my church family. What do you, what's the plan? What is the plan? You know, listen, I'm not the epitome of my health, right? I'm just not, I'm I'm working on it day by day. I have to have a plan. My life can be so crazy sometimes and people pulling on me and, but listen, I have to have a plan and you need to have a plan. We need to exercise. You know, we need to, come on, we need to go walking. We need to watch what we eat. There needs to be a plan. Can, can I hear a good amen today? And I'm just, all I want to do is, oh, don't we do that the first of the year? No, why don't we do it today? That we look at our lives and we get our family together and say, what's the plan so we can fulfill the dream that God has for us? Joseph comes up with a structure and a plan that is going to set up his dream to come true. And he's actually coming up with a plan for another person because he's serving other people. But little does he know because of what he's doing and that plan is gonna cause his dream to come true. And here's the last one for today. If we're gonna have a dream come true, here's another decision that we have to plan. And I believe that Joseph did this. Number four, we need to plan on working the plan. Everybody say working. Say work. You know, one thing I found about dreamers is that they're doers. Dreamers are doers. You know, we always pray. One of my, my prayers, and if you're here and you pray for our church, I just encourage you. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. I, I love that, that scripture. It basically talks about when Nehemiah was building the wall. Nehemiah 4, 6, it says, so built... It says, so built we the wall and all the wall was joined together until the half thereof. Watch this. For the people had a mind to work. I always pray and please pray this. If you are part of our church, I always pray, Lord, give us leaders that have a heart for you and a mind to work. My church family, you came here today. Many of you came in and you sat down and you didn't really notice that there were banners. There were signs that were put out by our team and there's signs and flags and different things that Jody came in and made coffee, right? There was a plan, but it wasn't just a plan. We're working all of the setup that is done by our setup team. Can we give them a great round of applause? <laughs> Ministry is work. We, and we, somebody asked me, they said, I didn't know you guys set this up every week. We do. And if you'd like to be a, a, a help and, and start working and, and serving and, you know, well, Pastor Phil, my dream hasn't come true. I'll tell you what, if you serve the dream here at Passion Life Church, your dream will come true. Because when you serve other people and you do something for other people, God will make it happen for you. Can I hear a good amen today? But see, a lot of times in our Christianity, it seems like work is a bad word. Work is not, well, work is under the curse. No, it wasn't. God gave Adam a job before they fell. And God, God works. Do you know that God is working right now? He is working. I didn't come to church to hear about work. Well, it's because we don't understand that your work is a form of worship. 
your work. How do you know that, Pastor Phil? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, and whatever you do, come on, say, whatever I do. Whatever you do, do it heartily. What? As unto people? No, as unto the Lord, not men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. So people don't reward me. God will use people, but guess what? He is the rewarder. And what I'm doing, I do it all for him. And the Bible says that he will reward us of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. This, you want to know what Joseph's secret sauce was? His secret sauce was he was able to forgive his brothers, right? When they came and the fulfillment of the dream happened, he was willing to change, right? He was, he was willing not only to change, he was willing to have a plan. He was willing to risk, but watch this. Everything Joseph did, he did it unto the Lord. He wasn't doing it for Potiphar. He wasn't doing it for the prison guard. He wasn't even doing it for Pharaoh. He was doing it to honor God. And see, when you do that, when you do that, God will promote you. And that's why our work is a form of worship. Listen, if your dream doesn't motivate you to work, Get another dream. Get another dream. You know, I've had people come up and tell me, Pastor Phil, you know, I just love, I love your preaching. It's so different. It's so interesting and all of these things. And, and, and I love that. But can I tell you, I don't do it for you. I know that God is watching me throughout the week. You know, it may not seem to you. I hope maybe I made it look easy today. But what we just dove into in this last, whatever, 25, 30 minutes, spent about six hours this week just, you know, wordsmithing things out and making it so you could understand it. But here's the reality. God sees what I do because I'm doing it for him. I love you. But here's the thing. He's the one that rewards me. He's the one that sees what I do. And the standard is not the people. The standard is God. And so what I, when I'm telling you this morning is that you may be at a job that the, you know what, your boss is just the Grinch. But can I tell you, don't do it for him. Do it for God. Honor him because you honor God because God will reward you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the ending of this? This is what's so amazing to me is that Pharaoh promotes Joseph. And I can just imagine he promotes him to the second command in all of Egypt. I just, can, can we just dream for just a moment? Potiphar comes home. Hey, honey, honey, are you here? Yes, darling. How are you? Honey, remember that guy, Joseph? Oh, Joseph, yes. Oh, I remember him. Oh, no, yes, I, I remember him. <laughs> Honey, I hope you were telling the truth when you said that he raped you. Of course I was. Why are you saying that? Because Joseph is now my boss. I report to him at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Do you know that not only Joseph's brothers would bow, but Potiphar and his wife would bow before Joseph? Come on, somebody. You know that the whole nation would bow before Joseph because he had a royal robe. Do you know that Pharaoh gave him a signature ring that he could purchase anything he want? He could spend all of Egypt's money if he want with the ring that he had. And I'm going to tell you that my church family, that if you'll keep your attitude right, God can use you to 
even minister to the people that have hurt you and the people that have said things about you, they could bow before you at times. And Joseph shows us that dreams do come true because his brothers would come and just like the dream that he saw, they would come and they would bow before him. And can I encourage you today, God brings dreams to come true. Dreams do come true. You need to dream. When God gives you a dream, it will come true. But I want to end with this. When God gives you a dream, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. People are dependent and will be impacted by the dream that God gave you. Joseph's own brothers didn't know that the dream that they made fun of would actually be the dream that saved their life. So we need to be careful what we say about other people's dreams. We need to not be dream killers. And so there are people, my church family, when God gives you a dream, there are people who are waiting for you to fulfill that dream because their lives are going to be impacted on the other side of that dream. That's why, listen, that's why we change. That's why, my church family, we have a plan. That's why we do and we make these decisions because there are people that are going to be impacted by our dreams and they are going to make a decision to come to Jesus because God gave you a dream. And I want to close with this. God did more than Joseph could ever imagine. His dream was only that, that he saw that his family would bow down. But God's intention was that he would rule a nation. And God can always do more than you can even imagine, think, or even do by his power. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.